Today we'll be discussing the film adaptation of the first book of J.K. Rowling's renowned Harry Potter series and how it inspired the way franchise movies are being made. This is Ellie. And I am Norsi. And we are the Nerd Sauce Bros. Enjoy, muggles. Hello everyone, welcome to the Nerd Sauce Bros. What up nerds? So um, today, we are going to talk about Harry Potter. Yes, the very first movie in the series. Yes, Philosopher's Stone. Or in exactly. a Sorcerer's Stone, if you are from the US. United States. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I have rewatched Harry Potter, the Philosopher's Stone, so many times. And I really cannot count the number of times I have seen it. Uh, because whenever a Harry Potter film would come out, I would always rewatch the movies before that. Especially and now, where there, you know, there's a new series, the uh, Fantastic Beasts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's always the this like this need to rewatch the Harry Potter movies, and like once you start, once you start at the beginning, you just cannot stop. You you have to continue. You have to finish it up until the end which is of course uh deathly hollows mm. i haven't seen deathly hollows one and two since the first time i've seen them in the cinema mm-hmm. probably because i'm you know i'm not ready to rewatch it it's... i've seen it like recently due to this you know pandemic mm-hmm. um sometimes you just you you run out of movies to watch you know or you just you just feel like rewatching you know some of your favorite movies mm-hmm. from back in the day so mm-hmm. i've rewatched and again it's a rabbit hole you know we, mm-hmm. we watched uh, philosopher's stone uh, then we just couldn't stop until we got to deathly hollows that is actually true so for the philosopher's stone so the book came out in 1997 and mm-hmm. uh, different studios have been wanting to adopt the harry potter books mm-hmm. into films into movies yes. yeah warner brothers uh was very uh, was very confident that when they got the rights to the first four books, because during that time there's only four books, yes, for the amount of one million pounds. Imagine that. Yeah. Imagine that. Imagine the profit they got, right? Exactly. <laughs> the The book came out in 1997, and the film mm-hmm. came out in 2001. When Warner Brothers bought the film rights of the Harry Potter franchise from J.K. Rowling. It was such a gamble for a literary work during mm-hmm. that time. J.K. Rowling only wanted is that the actress mm. would be Brits. Oh, yes, exactly. The other condition was that she would be part of the screenplay writing process. And so, I think it shows, you know, uh, J.K. Rowling being consulted or overseeing the whole... I'm not, I'm not sure if it's like the whole movie making process, but at least, you know, the screenplay or the script it shows because throughout the years, when you rewatch these movies, like subtle hints, subtle attention to detail, mm-hmm. you notice the, these things, right? Like um, foreshadowing, for example, from the first movie that pays out or pays off, you know, in the last movie, let's say. It's these minor details that, you know, makes the the experience better. It makes the whole series rewatchable. Mm-hmm. That, is, right? that, is, that is actually correct. So Steven Spielberg actually wanted to direct Philosopher's Stone. 
but mm-hmm. he wanted was an animated movie where um Haley Joel Osment would be voicing Harry Potter but things didn't work out and Warner Brothers went for Christopher Columbus okay and you know Steven Spielberg at that time you know he moved on and he directed Artificial Intelligence with Haley mm-hmm. Joel Osment okay i didn't know that mm. i didn't know like the backstory of how they got to Chris Columbus all i know is that you know Um, Chris Columbus directed the first Harry Potter movies. If mm-hmm. you guys don't know, Chris Columbus is, you know, um, one of his famous movies is, of course, um, Home Alone. Home Alone 2. Home Alone 2 as well. Mrs. Yes. Doubtfire. And, um, so, yeah, there you go. So, those are, you know, some of his credits, uh, directorial credits. And um, that's all I know. Like, he went on to direct this movie. But, you know, the backstory, like, who was being considered, mm-hmm. um, you know, to be cast or to, to direct the movie... Um, you might wanna, uh, you know, uh, enlighten us. Um, Chris Columbus really wanted to direct the film. He was chosen by Warner Brothers because he was very passionate for the uh, Harry Potter adaptation. Chris Columbus even drafted scripts and notes when he was presenting his ideas for the film, uh, from a technical standpoint. And I think you know Warner Brothers was happy with uh, with such dedication and such passion. For the Philosopher's Stone, that he eventually got the role. Well, I would give him the directorial role as well, and and you know, in my opinion, they didn't make a mistake. You mm-hmm. know, this is the first movie. This is the uh, you, you needed this movie to jumpstart mm-hmm. the whole series, right? Mm-hmm. And it's because of this movie that you know we have, you know, all of the books, you know, uh, finally adapted mm-hmm. into films mm-hmm. just because of this movie because it worked, you know. Yeah. Chris Columbus just wanted to please the fans of the books and wanted to also please the studios. I would say there was there was respect, you know, mm-hmm. there was respect to the fans, respect to mm-hmm. the source material, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, during that time, I don't even know, because I'll be honest, I wasn't a fan of Harry Potter. Like I didn't mm-hmm. know anything about it. Mm-hmm. I was very young when it came out. You know, mm-hmm. I haven't read the books. Um, all I know is that it was getting a lot of buzz during mm-hmm. that time, you know, mm-hmm. and. Um, I don't know how much how big of a fan base it already had, mm-hmm. you know. Maybe the movie even like jump started or um, uh, introduced you know the series to more people, mm-hmm. and so it gained more following, right? Mm-hmm. But um, all I know is that he respected the source material, material, especially from what I've heard. Uh, Chris Columbus directed um, movies, yeah, which was yeah one and two are the most like. Um, Uh, would you say like loyal to the source material? Mm-hmm. I think from what I heard, the Philosopher's Stone is the one very loyal from the source material. Probably because the book is you know not that lo- uh, mm, not that big. exactly, and um, mm-hmm. there was just a minor changes mm-hmm. from the book because I read the book after watching the film. I've heard about Harry Potter, but I was not interested with reading it. Yeah. So when the film came out, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, that's when I read the books. Before you know, before we actually deep dive into it, mm-hmm. um, let's just warn our listeners mm-hmm. of sp- uh, minor to major sp- uh, spoilers. <laughs> so there you go. That's your warning. Yeah. If you haven't seen the Harry Potter movies, which you know, what's wrong with you? <laughs> There's your warning. <laughs> yeah. You know, go ahead. You 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 might want to come back to this after you've you've seen the movies, but um. <laughs> so yeah, you're right. You know, with with the with not just you know the main cast mm-hmm. which was you know um daniel rupert and emma but 
everyone in the movie you know it, it was perfectly cast especially the the fans of the book i can imagine you know like when for example uh hagrid or professor mcgonagall was introduced right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. how happy they were that you know these actors portray you know some of their favorite characters mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. they were just so good in the role that you know from the from the very beginning from the first movie you just accept that them as these characters right mm-hmm. uh-huh. i really think that uh, christopher columbus and warner brothers was able to find the perfect cast for the characters for the harry potter characters i could not imagine anyone playing harry potter ron weasley or even hermione for the role the harry potter cast particularly the kids mm-hmm. they were unknown names mm-hmm. they did not have any acting experience prior to this film Except mm-hmm. for Daniel Radcliffe, I think uh, he was in theater or something, but I, I I don't remember that really. So these kids, their acting chops would develop throughout the films. It was only in the first film that you know it really felt like, okay, they're really kids. They're not. Yeah, they like... they were just yeah you, you they were just they were still trying to get their feet wet basically. Yeah. And, you know, especially when you're around all these big actors mm-hmm. from the UK. These are some of the biggest actors, mm. you know, from the UK. They keep coming up, you mm-hmm. know, on your movie screens, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, that's I, I imagine that's a lot of pressure for these kids, you know, back then. Well, but good for them. They were able to, you know, get they they, they pulled it off. They pulled it they off. They pulled it off. You yeah. Know. Let's talk about the, you know, the introduction. Like, what do you mm-hmm. feel about the first act of this movie? Mm-hmm. Um, you knew nothing about Harry Potter. You knew nothing about the lore. What did it feel like for you, you know, going into it, like diving into the movie? You know, were you invested um, as soon as you saw it? You know, like the first scene or mm-hmm. you want to talk about that? Well, in the first act, in the first sequence rather, Um, we were introduced slowly to the magical world of Harry Potter. The opening sequence in uh, Privet Drive, we see Albus Dumbledore, Professor McGonagall, and Hagrid delivering the baby Harry Potter to the Dursleys. Mm-hmm. Now, the first sequence alone already gives us a sense of mystery and wonder, which somewhat tells us what the film is going to be about. You know, it's it slowly builds us up. You know, giving us a small mystery to the backstory and making us want to know more about Harry Potter. Exactly true. Like I remember that scene. You know, when when um they were dropping him off. You know, to the front door mm-hmm. of uh, the Dursleys. There's this, you know, there's this ominous feeling, mm-hmm. but you know, a good introduction as well to. You know who Harry Potter is. Mm-hmm. Very, very. You know, it's it's very mysterious. Like mm-hmm. you know, uh, how did he get his car? Mm-hmm. You know, I I believe there was a brief mention of um, uh, Voldemort. I cannot remember exactly. You know, there's a brief hint or subtle hint to how he got his scar, or, or or at least you know people will you will um you know begin to know him as he grows up, right? Mm-hmm. So like from that very moment you get hooked, who is Harry Potter? And then, you know, as you, as you watch the film, of course, you, you get introduced to this magical world, mm-hmm. this wizarding wor- world mm-hmm. in the Harry Potter lore. So mm-hmm. like for example, you know, what do you call humans without any magical abilities, right? Mm-hmm. They're muggles. Um you get introduced to 
Hogwarts, you know, in my opinion, now when I look at a magical world, my standard is Harry Potter. Because mm-hmm. the first few minutes, you're already familiar. You know, you, you dive into this movie. You don't know anything. You don't know shit. But, you know, the first few minutes, you it's it feels like you've read the books. Like, you already have an idea of how they're going to get to Hogwarts, mm-hmm. right? With uh, nine and three quarters, right? <laughs> So and it it just feels there's this feeling of 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 magic, you know. Mm-hmm. What I like about the Philosopher's Stone is, like I said earlier, is that they slowly build this magical world of Harry Potter. And I remember watching it when Harry was asking Hagrid where he where can he get the materials for his first year, and mm-hmm. suddenly they entered Diagon Alley. Yes, and in Diagon Alley, it was like. Whoa! Now, now this now things are different because from mm-hmm. here onwards we got to see the wizarding world that has always been existing, but was also hidden at the same time. So this was really exactly. this, that was a really nice key, you know to introduce the wizarding world. That was really nice. Exactly. They 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 start introducing this character, and I I believe it wasn't you know it wasn't um, information overload uh, overload. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, you know when they when they were. Um, when they were introducing Ollivander, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, there were subtle hints to who his parents are, you mm-hmm. know? And then at the same time, um, um, like the materials that are used for the wands, mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't that big of a deal back then. Like when you watch it, it's like, okay, so there's um, whatever uh, dragon feather or whatever uh, uh, phoenix feather being used for the ones. But when you later, right? but when later on, when you watch the other films, exactly. Ah, okay, so that's all of a sudden, Ollivander plays a bigger role. Mm-hmm. These ones play a bigger role. You know, they they're they're a character on their you know um, on their own, right? Mm-hmm. So it's 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 slowly like planting a seed on your muggle brain. Exactly. And then eventually will grow like a into this big plant mm-hmm. that just like you 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 start to remember all these details. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the characters Harry, Ron, and Hermione. These are the three main characters of the Philosopher's Stone, mm-hmm. and it actually takes more or less forty minutes to meet all these three characters, interact for the first time, mm-hmm. and we did not mind if it takes you know 40 minutes because they were doing a perfect job introducing the harry potter universe and um rewatching the scene in the hogwarts express where the three characters harry ron and uh, hermione interact for the first time it, it really made me smile um because we know that this is the start of their friendship and adventure that you know that was covered in seven books or eight films you know in 10 years mm-hmm. and it was really yeah. great it's like ah you kids exactly there's there's chemistry mm-hmm. there's chemistry there mm-hmm. you know the very first time that they were introduced to each other um there's already like good dialogue mm-hmm. um you know back and forth between the characters mm-hmm. and then you know uh, as the movie progresses, you really feel for them. You feel for their relationship, for their friendship. Yeah. And then, of course, when we're first uh, introduced to Hogwarts, mm-hmm. right? Um, what do you think about that? Like, 
the first time I remember Hogwarts, or the best scene that they introduced Hogwarts was when Harry Potter and everyone was crossing the Black Lake, and you mm-hmm. see this big castle uh, from beyond. You know, and this is the most iconic scene for me of the Philosopher's Stone. That image alone is used on posters or whenever they talk about the, the Philosopher's Stone. Um, that was an iconic moment because at the same time, John Williams' music was playing in the background. And uh, John Williams' music gives this epic sensation that things are about to get more magical than the first act because this, was, this is where we were going to the second act. And mm-hmm, like, I agree. things are going to get magical. Yeah, I agree. I agree so much. John Williams' score. Like, can you imagine if John Williams didn't um, compose the music for this movie? <laughs> you know, it, it it really adds. Like, if if you you just have to give him credit, John Williams. The the um, the score. You know, um, made the movie. You know, as magical as it was already. Mm-hmm. Um, it just like it just went from like one hundred to a thousand because mm. of the score. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the the Harry Potter theme itself, um, it's it's one of the most memorable mm-hmm. um, themes of all time, mm-hmm. right? John Williams' music is and will always be beautiful. I mean, from Star Wars to Indiana Jones, from mm-hmm. uh, Superman. Superman to Jurassic Park, you exactly. know, to Harry Potter. You know, John yeah. Williams will always teleport you to another world. That's what exactly. I really like about his music. So, um. There are two music from John Williams that I really like. So one of them was the iconic Harry Potter music, which is Hedwig's mm. theme. This particular score alone, at oftentimes, it carries the scene on their own when the visual cues or the visuals are not enough to prop it up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think Hedwig's theme is recognized worldwide. When you hear Hedwig's theme, you automatically think about brooms, Quidditch, magic, Hogwarts. So again, even if you're not the fan, which mm-hmm. you know, what's wrong with you? I'm sure you hear the um, Hedwig's theme. Mm-hmm. You're automatically gonna know it's from Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's 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 just that iconic. Exactly. You know. And the second score that I like about John Williams' music is Leaving Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. Do you know that the 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 yes, the do. music that plays during the end of the mm-hmm. Philosopher's Stone? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I probably like this one because of nostalgia. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. particular music plays at the end of Deathly Hallows Part Two. Uh-huh. During the, I believe, during the, the prologue, nineteen years. Yes, that one, that particular the epilogue, scene. You mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, prologue, yeah. epilogue. And for me, it was just the perfect music to cap off the Harry Potter films. I Mm. mean, it's a full beautiful circle. You know, I love that you bring that up. Yeah. Because I remember in the first movie, you know, rewatching this movie um, a million times, right? Mm -hmm. You know that 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 music is going to come up. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's so, for me, it's so bittersweet, Mm -hmm. I guess. You know, it's like, it's it it brings in a lot of emotions. Like I hope this is the last movie. Like Philosopher's Stone is the last movie because I don't want like these kids going through a lot of hardships in the future. 
Okay. But then it's also like, you know, give me more. Mm-hmm. Please give me more. Like, mm-hmm. when is the next movie going to come out? Mm-hmm. Um, that's how it feels. And then, you know, finally in the end, at the last movie, when they used it again, I'm, I'm not sure. Did John Williams um, um, make the music for the last movie? John Williams only made the music. For the first and second, right? First one, uh, Philosopher's Stone. The second one, The Chamber of Secrets. And mm-hmm. the third one, Prisoner of Azkaban. Mm-hmm. You know, he paved the way, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, the music was, of course... Um, was renditions of his right so i i love that they brought that back in the last movie at mm-hmm. the end because finally it's um it's a sense of closure mm-hmm. right it's no longer bittersweet it's just sweet you know mm-hmm. um we finally have a happy ending that music it fit perfectly mm-hmm. you know you at know. the end so even though that we like harry potter and the philosopher's stone that much there are also things that we did not like. Mm-hmm. Like what I mentioned earlier, the way the kids act was really bad because they were kids. They did not have acting experience. You could really see that, okay, these kids, they're trying to act, you know, even though they have the, uh, they have, they capture the looks of our Harry Potter characters. Mm-hmm. You, you could sense that they, they still don't have the acting chops. And they're still basically it's like it's like training ground for them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This movie is training ground for them, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about the CGI or the uh special effects for the first film? What do you think about that? Um what I think about it is I w- I'm not going to put it in the negative mm-hmm. because it's forgivable. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, during that time um it, it worked of of course obviously mm-hmm. now it's more noticeable because you know we're used to good cgi mm-hmm. but it holds up in my opinion it's kind of like you know like the star wars the original trilogy where you know there's there's a janky <laughs> um cgi there mm-hmm. but it works because it was used um you know it was used i would say um minimally mm-hmm not enough for you to go to zone out you mm-hmm. know to check out of the movie mm-hmm. like i would compare it for example to the matrix mm-hmm. um matrix reloaded you know that scene where like neo fights the, the a bunch of smiths yeah um that movie i remember it worked uh back then but now it kind of makes you check out of the movie <laughs> you know what i mean yeah but harry potter i would i would forgive it I well, would forgive it for the CGI. Well, for me, I think the special effects or the CGI mm-hmm. was not really that great for that time. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, remember, this was released in 2001. In 2001, yeah. we already had Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. We already mm-hmm. had the first Matrix film, like you mentioned earlier. We yeah. had Jurassic Park and mm-hmm. Titanic, where the mm-hmm. special effects were really good. And mm. if Warner Brothers had this budget, you know, to buy this franchise, you know, to make a movie out of it, we would expect that it would be much more better. But, you know, at the end of the day, we, do, we also have to think about the technical standpoint during that time. It may not be as good as it is now, but mm-hmm. I think they could have done it better. That is true, yeah. I would agree as well. Yeah. But again, that's why I use the term forgivable mm-hmm. because... It's understandable if some people, for some people, it doesn't hold up. Mm-hmm. But to me, I, I feel like it was used. Um, it was it was used well, so I it's okay. I really hate what the troll looked like. It looks like a the, animated the troll and the tree headed dog. Um, 
whatever fluffy. his name was. Yeah, Fluffy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't I don't mind Fluffy, but the troll. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was really bad, but you know, forgivable, like you said. Um, I have been thinking about this plot hole for a while now. In Wait fl- a minute before you continue. Um, I have a plot plot hole as well. Okay. I'll just guess yours before you continue. Is it the chess scene? No. The wizard chess. Okay. It was close to the chess scene. So. In Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, the stone has the power to grant immortality because it has the elixir of life. That's why Voldemort is after it. But mm-hmm. why would Dumbledore take the stone out of Gringotts and keep it in Hogwarts where there are children inside Hogwarts? Yeah, sure, he suspects Voldemort is back and maybe after the, yeah. after the stone. But why hide it in Hogwarts in the first place? Gringotts was safely guarding the stone for mm-hmm. years, for centuries. And I really don't understand what, why Dumbledore was thinking like that. I remember, I swear, I, I, I had this thought as well, like while rewatching the movies, like mm-hmm. Dumbledore really puts like the kids at risk. Like they, <laughs> they put Harry Potter through a lot of shit, you know? It's, it's, it's really one of the dangerous most mm. dangerous like places out there. I remember like McGonagall, McGonagall was like saying, uh, "Hogwarts is the safest uh, place you can be in right now." I, mm. I I believe, but I was like, "Um, no, I don't think so. I don't <laughs> think that's true." But again, you know, it it makes it makes for good stories. So <laughs> <laughs> it makes for exciting stories. So mm. I guess it's okay. Yeah. What what about the other plot hole you were talking about? For me, the plot hole was like I remember the um, chess, the wizard's chess, right, with mm-hmm. the with the giant um, pieces, right, mm-hmm. and so it was like it was Ron's time to shine during that time, right, mm-hmm. and so he was like um, he was leading like the, the whole match, and then I remember like um, Harry Potter, Harry and um, Hermione, they were given like um, chess pieces mm-hmm. to control, right, mm-hmm. by by Ron. And then eventually they they were they they were out of the game. Like mm-hmm. the characters they were using, the pieces they were using, I think it was destroyed. And so it was like Ron's um um turn to finally um what do you call this? Make like, a move. Um, make a move and you know, that would that would result in a checkmate, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember how dramatic it was. Like <laughs> If if the queen I think I, I can't remember um it was it the queen or the king? That was gonna like like um destroy the piece he was on mm-hmm. that would cause a checkmate. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, you know, why don't you just get off the piece, right? <laughs> because like they were like, um, Ron, no, don't do it. <laughs> Harry and Hermione's already yeah. standing somewhere. Exactly. And <laughs> no. Um it was very dramatic. You know, it was it was fun, but I thought it was unnecessary. Um, no one needs to be hurt. Come yeah. on, <laughs> but um, you know, it was just it was just funny. It was just fun. I'm not gonna again. It's not it, it's it's minor gripes mm. or minor plot holes, I would say. But um, it's 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 still fun. What about Hagrid? You know? Remember in the uh, King's Cross station where Hagrid gives Harry the ticket where it's a uh, platform nine three quarters, and yeah. Harry was like. How I'm gonna find this? And suddenly Hagrid disappears into the thin air. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He that disappears. Was like... He was just there seconds ago, 
and for somehow, he's gone. Now, what actually happened here? I mean, does he have that Batman training? Is he a ninja or something? Like, I understand Batman, you know. Mm-hmm. He disappears right away because, you know, he has he was trained by Razal Ghoul. But yeah. Hagrid but Hagrid such a big guy. It's like it's like it's basically like Bane doing that whole <laughs> Batman disappearing act thing, right? <laughs> Hagrid's such a big guy. I mean, they were just standing there in a something like walkway, and there mm-hmm. were only two ways where Hagrid could have gone he would have moved forward or backward exactly. and when when harry looked up okay where's hagrid i was like oh, okay that's that's weird i mean while rewatching it when we know there's other ways of traveling in uh-huh. the wizarding world he could not have apparate i mean he could not have flew with a broom because i remember he was prohibited to use magic yeah because he was expelled from hogwarts Mm-hmm. So it's like True. that's not that's not gonna happen. How did he do that? <laughs> but you know, um, speaking of negatives as well, mm-hmm. I I would I I used to consider this a negative. Um, when I when I finally learned that, um, what do you call this? The actor for Dumbledore died. Mm-hmm. Richard Harris. Richard Harris, exactly, mm-hmm. and he was um, replaced by Michael Gambon, I believe. Mm-hmm. You know, back then I wasn't like really looking into the actors, and you know. I wasn't m- that much familiar with, um, like, for example, Michael Gambon's or um, Richard Harris's work. So I didn't notice up until, I think, um, I only noticed it at Goblet of Fire. Mm-hmm. All right. Of course, after the first and second movies, movies especially, um, Dumbledore, um, you know, his roles kind of beefed up. Mm-hmm. Like he had, he had bigger roles to play or he had a bigger role to play, right? Instead of like the passive you know, headmaster that we're used to seeing in Philosopher's Stone. Mm-hmm. So back then, I, I really appreciated more Michael Gambon's work as mm-hmm. Dumbledore. Okay. So I used to think that Richard Harris as um, Dumbledore was a negative. Mm-hmm. But now looking back at it, I like how subtle he is playing mm-hmm. Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. I like how, you know, he always has that chill vibe more than Michael Gambon does. Mm, yeah. um, he's more of a grandfather in my opinion mm-hmm. you know I you know you can't say anymore like um, you don't know how he'll be how he'll be in for example the Order of the Phoenix where he fights um, Voldemort mm-hmm. you know Richard Harris you don't know if he's gonna do a great job as well but all I know is at least for the Philosopher's Stone when you needed a grandfather figure mm-hmm. I think Richard Harris is a better fit compared to Michael Gambon. And not to discount Michael Gambon as Dumbledore because I love him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, you know, when he was, um, you know, especially the more emotional parts. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take away from that. To me, he is still as well Dumbledore. But um, when it comes to, like, the more grandfathery vibe, mm-hmm. Richard Harris is that Dumbledore for me. Yeah, Richard Harris, the Dumbledore who keeps the Philosopher's Stone in Hogwarts. <laughs> You know, where there are kids. Uh, anyway. You know what's good? Over the years, you mm-hmm. notice a shift in tone with the Harry Potter movies, right? Mm-hmm. It gets darker, um, right? The the campiness is lessened, like they decreased it. Like, yeah. Good thing for for Harry Potter um, and the Philosoph- Philosopher's Stone. It's still a little bit campy. Mm-hmm. It's still catered more towards kids, mm-hmm. right? Which 
you know, which um, again, it's it that's 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 what makes the whole Harry Potter experience good. Mm-hmm. It's like there's a mixture of, of emotions, right? Like there's um, there's there's a Harry Potter movie for every mood mm-hmm. that you're feeling, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. You know, so so there you go. Like some of the negatives that we're pointing out. It it it's forgivable again because of because of how campy it is at times, mm-hmm. how how child friendly it is. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just it's 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 just heartwarming basically is yeah. what I'm trying to say. You know, even though Hogwarts punishes students for wandering at night by making them wander at night. <laughs> I don't understand. So they just went out. Now they're going out again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But anyway, like you said, you know, it was very campy. And yeah. as the movie, as the films and books progresses, it becomes serious and more serious. The tone from being light it becomes, uh, you know, dark. And um, I really like that Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone for me is the heart of the Harry Potter films. Mm-hmm. I agree. You know, this is where it all starts. <clears throat> this is how it starts. This is, and I really love. You know, there's a formula with um, Harry Potter because there's a lot of characters. You know, mm-hmm. um, you look at, for example, uh, some movies where, well, Lord of the Rings did it right as well. Mm-hmm. You know, introducing a lot of characters who are very sympathetic, mm-hmm. who you care for. Mm-hmm. And you know the same goes with Harry Potter. You know there are some movies who can't, they can't do that right. Like for example, you just look at Spider-Man Three. Mm-hmm. They just introduced like two new characters, and they couldn't make it work, right? Like mm-hmm. they couldn't develop these characters well enough for you to care for them, right? Mm-hmm. But here, for example, um, there's a formula with Harry Potter where every time they introduce a new character or let's say a new villain. They associated them, or they associate them with the dark arts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. So, um, if if you're aware of this formula, you know that this character is gonna be big. Mm-hmm. And so, in the very first movie, we're introduced to Quirrell. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, it's the very first movie; it's the very first book, mm-hmm. right? So, all these characters you're just being um, uh, introduced to now, mm-hmm. but. Um, The way they set it up, the way they set up the formula, that will be used for the coming movies, coming books, mm-hmm. is great in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So Quirrell, right? He was introduced as the dark arts teacher, as a stutter- stuttering um, idiot, basically, <laughs> right? And um, you know, eventually, the twist is, is that you know Voldemort is still um, alive still alive and is you know living inside him or whatever right mm. sharing a body with him basically mm-hmm. you know as as the very first villain i think he works mm. you know especially for the tone of the movie i think you know that's that's one of the positive that positives that i can give this movie quirrell is is mm. a fun villain i wonder how this professor squirrel sleeps sideways <laughs> on the side <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, anyway so The Harry Potter films was able to translate the books into films, despite both being different media. Mm-hmm. And when you look at it, books and films do not work the same. Some things may work for the books, but not necessary for the films. 
So there are True. things that are changed, you know, for the films. It was just nice to see that the films was able to provide a equivalent or a dynamic equivalent from converting pages of the books into films. True. I think um again like 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 from what I said uh, if I'm not mistaken the the movie was very true mm-hmm. to the book. Mm-hmm. And you know, the yeah. the cinematic adaptation of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone it was released in 2001. Now this was way before um film franchise such as Marvel Cinematic Universe has mm-hmm. come into its own and before other franchise tried to build up a series of film of their own. Yes. Now, especially from books. Mhm. Yeah, book adaptations. Now, after the success of Harry Potter, Hollywood suddenly changed, you know, Hollywood suddenly opened up a whole new world of adapting books or mm-hmm. adapting uh in this case young adult books exactly. or young adult novels. Mm-hmm. And you know, who could have forget Twilight, The Hunger mm-hmm. Games, or even non-young adult novels like yeah. uh, Percy Jackson or The Chronicles of Narnia. Mm-hmm. Now, most of them, they were not successful like Harry Potter. Well, except for Twilight and Hunger Games, in my mm-hmm. opinion. However, yeah. even after Twilight and Hunger Games had their run, they're not as popular, at least to the extent that Harry Potter is still today. True. I mean, it's been these li- books. Mm-hmm. You know, I I kind of feel like sad for them, especially like the actors involved, the directors involved. You mm-hmm. know, um, they're always being compared to Harry Potter. Like Harry Potter, such um, set such a high standard mm-hmm. that you either have to be as good or better than Harry Potter. And I don't think that they were, you know, the film adaptations of these books were ever really that good. Like I kind, I kind of. Um, like the Hunger Games movies, mm-hmm. especially Catching Fire, mm-hmm. but you know I don't remember much. It's mm-hmm. not like Harry Potter where, you know, I have to revisit it mm-hmm. at least once a year. Mm. Yeah. All seven movies or all um, eight movies, you know what I mean? Or so, at least the Philosopher's Stone. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, you know, um, also um, one of the things that Harry Potter did for the for these film adaptations, right, of books, mm-hmm. is that they divided the last book into two movies. Mm-hmm. Like Twilight and Hunger Games did. Exactly. Twilight followed suit. Mm-hmm. Hunger Games followed suit. Mm-hmm. Now, with the Harry Potter movies, or with, with, with the um, Deathly Hallows, there wasn't much criticism, mm-hmm. you know, uh, when they divided the last book into two movies because... It was still rich. Like, mm-hmm. the Deathly Hallows Part 1, in my opinion, is still rich. Mm-hmm. And Part 2 is even richer. Mm-hmm. Unlike, for example, Breaking Dawn Part 1. Mm-hmm. You know, they pro- they they stretch that movie into a feature feature film length. Mm-hmm. With basic, with, with, which was basically empty, you know? Mm-hmm. So, a lot of criticisms were received... You know, mm-hmm. apart from the other criticisms they were already receiving, but again, you know, Harry Potter set that precedent. I I believe, you know, mm-hmm. they they set that that um, they paved the way for these young adult novels um, to try and emulate them. You know, mm-hmm. just to be successful. Mm-hmm. But I don't think, you know, 
a lot of them were as successful as Harry Potter. Yeah. So they should really stop trying. <laughs> That's true. Which they do. I feel like some of the movies, like I think the Maze Runner has like, you know, quit or I don't know. Um, the the Shailene Woodley movie, which is uh, Divergent. Divergent. They just mm. stopped. You know. <laughs> really, I, I I haven't seen the Divergent yeah. and the Maze Runner. I I I don't have interest in mm-hmm. doing so. But what do you? What else do you think? You know, the Harry Potter movies has done for the film industry? Mm-hmm. Well, if you look at it now, because Harry Potter started making a series of films all throughout. And mm-hmm. um, looking back, there was no other franchise that was doing this mm-hmm. until Marvel Studios devi- uh, decided that they should also make their own universe. They were planning movies ahead of time, and it worked for them. But prior to them, it was Harry Potter who was doing that. Mm-hmm. They, they started off with the first four films, you know, The Philosopher's Stone, Chamber of Secrets, Prisoner of Azkaban, and The Goblet of Fire. This was the first four films that they had rights to, because yeah. that was the first four books that was written. And as they got along, you know, J.K. Rowling uh, wrote the other books. At first, I believe they were not sure if you know, they were going to end the whole Harry Potter series, but come Prisoner of Azkaban or the fourth film, it was going to work for it. And yeah. um, I really believe that the Harry Potter series was the first franchise to do it. Because looking back, I mean, Star Wars only had like three films. Then mm-hmm. they had the prequel. It was only three. They, they were not planning way, way beyond, unlike Harry mm-hmm. Potter. You know, for me, it was Harry Potter who changed how Hollywood studios makes films. Things would have not worked out if Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone did not uh, make it true. And, you know, as I said, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone is the heart of the whole franchise. Mm-hmm. And um, it is, you know, just all about discovery, about the wonderful, magical world of Harry Potter. It is downright simple and it is downright discovery right away. And watching the Philosopher's Stone makes you want to get lost, you know, in, in the mm-hmm. magical world of Harry Potter. I want to get lost, you know, mm-hmm. in Hogwarts. I agree with that. It's a great um, introduction to the magical lore, which is, of course, the Harry Potter um, series. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's if there are ever, you know, any more plot holes that you notice with uh, the Philosopher's Stone. Mm hmm. It's still one hell of a journey. It is. Like, this whole movie is an experience. It is. You know, it's, it's, it's the... It's magical. Mm-hmm. And it's portrayed well by the mm-hmm. special effects. Mm-hmm. By the... Um, by the... By the Hogwarts school itself. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. By the, um, the... The acting and, of course, by the score. Mm-hmm. All of it equates or, you know, it just um, equals into this one whole magical experience. Mm -hmm. And for someone who grew up with this uh, wonderful films, it wouldn't been this wonderful if it were not for Chris Columbus' passion or dedication to make this film. If it wasn't for him pulling it off, it would have been, you know, wonderful. And um, at the end of the day, there's no one to thank... um, 
him, of course, the other directors, Warner Brothers and J.K. Rowling, for uh, introducing us, you know, to the world of Harry Potter. I agree, one hundred percent. So yeah, we'll talk about the other films, you know, in the future episodes. So this is going to be a series of Harry Potter films, not necessarily the next episode, you know, maybe you know, a month later, a few months mm-hmm. later. So let's see. So if you wanna keep, you know, listening or hearing our discussions and thoughts about the next movies as well. You can catch us right here on our podcast. Uh, thanks for tuning in to the second episode of the Nerd Sauce Bros. Uh, we really hope that you guys enjoyed it. If you have any questions or suggestions, please feel free to reach us. Yeah, and you know, make sure to follow us on our official Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You know, All you have to do is search for the Nerd Sauce Bros. And there. So yeah, if you haven't done it already, please don't forget to subscribe to our show. Um, you can find us on Spotify, Anchor, Breaker, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. Mm-hmm. So whatever your favorite platform is, please go ahead and subscribe us. Don't forget to search us um, by typing in Nerd Sauce Bros. Yeah. So we'll talk to you guys next time. And once again, we are the Nerd Sauce Bros. Bye. Bye, nerds.